0: It's Friday the 15th of January. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Shane. What about Mama Mulan yesterday? I'll tell you what, we had that lovely lunch and uh, oh, and oh,
1: how many dim sims did we have? Probably five or six too many, I reckon. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was
0: a nice afternoon, wasn't it? Oh, I'm fading away to a whole suburb over here. No, no, it was good. We've got a huge show on the way today, of course. Andrew Martin, horse racing expert, and he'll be with us throughout the course of 2021, particularly around the carnivals. There's Magic Millions tomorrow. And former medalist from the Olympic Games, Commonwealth Games, World Championship, you name it, John Stephenson. Let's get going. Okay, well, let's talk about this test match. It's set up as the decider, the the, the pivotal moment. It's got everything, hasn't it? These Channel 7 numbers, Fox numbers for cricket coverage has been extraordinary. So everyone is enjoying it,
1: Shane. Mate, it's going to be a fantastic day's cricket. The the first session is going to be unbelievable. A lot of um, you know, a lot of backstories going on here. You have got the Indians who have not been happy initially with their accommodation in Queensland. They didn't want to go to Queensland. They haven't won up there before. Australia hasn't lost a Test match there since 1983. You've had all the stuff with Payne and and Smith and that, and um, yeah, a lot going on in the background. So it all bodes well for a fiery Test match here, mate, for sure, and and a decider. Um, it could come down to the toss here.
0: Is there any truth to the rumour that you've signed a, a multi-seven-figure deal with a multinational out of India after your comments on Steve Smith went viral in
1: the subcontinent the other day? No, mate. Not yet, mate. But we'll see how we go. But uh, look, I think this test match, um, the frustrating thing, we found a really good opening batsman in Pukolski last test and then he's gone. And mm. after all the stuff that he's had uh, with his um, concussion and, you know, and his mental health issues, he's now, looks like he's done his AC in his shoulder. So he's out. That brings in Harris. Uh, many say Harris should have played the first test because he is a specialist opening batsman. Um, but he's going to be under the pump and a lot of pressure too. Um, but the Queensland wicket really suits the Australians. It uh, it bounces. When the ball bounces above the knee roll of the Indian players, they generally nick out. And you'll see for a lot of lot of the day one and day two, at least three three slips in. So... Um, And Australia handled that bounce a lot better. Smith and Labashier will bat very well there.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting to see Marcus Harris come in because there was a compelling argument to have him in earlier on. There is some speculation, and I don't believe all the speculation because I've had plenty – well, not plenty, but a bit written about me, which isn't true over the course of time, particularly in and around my time on Breakfast TV. But, But there was talk that Marcus Harris and Justin Langer, there's a bit of history there, and that could have affected things as to whether him being picked or not. Look, I don't know whether you know anything about that, but but how much does that play when it comes
1: to team selection in cricket? Well, you'd hope it have no effect. I know I know that Justin played cricket with his dad um, over in Perth, and they've been family friends. And Justin was sort of a mentor to to Marcus Harris when he was coming through. I don't. I've not heard if there's any bad blood there, but. Um, I think the reason he hasn't been in the team is that last time he played for Australia in in test matches, um, he got found out against spin and nicked out early. He didn't play very well. So, you know, he's gone away and scored some big runs in shield cricket. So hopefully he's going to come back. This is his chance. and, And what a way to get a chance after all the discussions and debate over who's going to be open to batting from from the day one of the first test to now where we couldn't find an opening batsman and he gets his chance so good luck to him today
0: Yeah well they've got some question marks haven't they Marcus Harris he comes into it with form as you mentioned David Warner didn't get any runs in Sydney still looked unfit Steve Smith and Labashane both hit some form so look they have to win to get the Border Gavaska trophy otherwise it stays in India it is going to be a cracker and we're going to follow it over the course of the five days of the test match this is our afternoon sport coming up huge day huge day of horse racing it's magic millions day on the gold coast we're going to take a look Well, huge day of horse racing tomorrow with the Magic Millions, and uh, we're going to have our horse racing expert on throughout the course of the year, particularly around the carnivals, but we thought we'd get him on and look at what has been going on, not only with the sales, but everything else, Magic Millions, some huge races tomorrow. Now, we all know of John Tapp, of course, one of the famous names in horse racing. Well, we've acquired the services, procured the services of his brother, little-known brother,
2: Ron Tapp. Ron, how are you? Well, guys, it's great to be with you. John and I have shared an intense passion for this great thoroughbred caper. And Magic Millions Day tomorrow is one of my favourite days of the Australian turf, and I'm sure that John would reiterate exactly what I've just said.
1: That's very good, hey Ron. Um, I believe this year's uh, sales have actually outsold outsold last year's sales, even though we're in a in the midst of COVID.
2: Shane has been quite amazing, mate. Over 130 million dollars worth of horse flesh has passed through the Gold cash ring in three days high clearance rates and an average per lot at $255,000. Now, can someone tell me that this is a year of COVID? Record prize money around the country, record prize money at the Magic Millions and buyers and sellers studs and syndicates want to get involved in the sport of kings. Now, he does a great impersonation. He does sound like John Tapp,
0: doesn't he? But I've got to tell you, the guy that we've got on the line is actually the face of Sky Racing, Andrew Martin, a great mate of mine, knows everything about the game. I've obviously put two albums out, Epilogue and Monologue. And uh, Tell us about those albums before we get in and talk about the Magic Minions.
2: Monologue, Epilogue? Yeah, I did the first one back in 1997, just after I finished working with you, Timothy. Um, thought I was the next Billy Birmingham, but it never really transpired to that, but we had a lot of fun along
0: the way. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the way you do it. But it's true. Look, you just mentioned the Magic Minion sales, and I was up there last year, and I had a horse Echo Jet, which led for a while and came last, uh, but that's another story. But but the, the bottom line is the sales were going great last year, but in the midst of COVID-19, here we are. A lot of people can't get there if
2: you're in Greater Sydney, but the numbers are just astronomical. It's not surprising, though, mate, because the, the prize money is not dropping, and the sport – um, has amazingly got through COVID with barely a glitch. It has been unbelievable. Every jurisdiction around Australia has done an incredible job. There's so many people employed by horse racing and there's so many people involved in horse racing and for not one single hiccup along the way of any great importance... It's absolutely amazing. And so it's no surprise that the Gold Coast sales are going ahead, obviously, because there's so much at stake for so many vendors, et cetera, et cetera. But with the record prize money and no sign of that dipping, in fact, it just continues to go up, particularly in New South Wales, people want to get involved. And you're getting involved in a business sense now because there's so much money to be won if you get yourself half a decent horse.
1: So, Marto, so what is the actual prize pool for the, for the Magic Millions?
2: Well, the Millions is worth the two-year-old classic, $2 million, $1.2 million for the winner. Now, just imagine you own a thoroughbred going around in 70 seconds with that sort of stake at hand. Boy, you'd be nervous, particularly around a tight-turning Gold Coast track where barriers are important. Luck in running is vital. You get one check in a magic minute, it's just pretty much curtains. And I've seen many horses eliminated in the first couple of hundred metres with early trouble. Um, you would be sitting on the edge of your seat. I don't think I'd be able to actually watch if I owned a horse in a race like this.
0: Many many high-profile Australians are involved in horse racing. We know Mark War, of course, his wife Kim, and right into horse racing, owns trains. Billy Slater now, the, the, the former rugby league legend, uh, we hear him in commentary on the Nine Network, has always loved horses, former track work rider with Gay Waterhouse. He's, he's into the selling
2: these days, Marto. Yeah, he's got a farm out of Melbourne, Timmy, and he's called himself Slater Thoroughbreds. Must have um, taken him a long time to come up with that. Um, <laughs> but Billy's reportedly a terrific bloke, and he he runs the business with his wife, Nicole, and I believe they met back in Pony Club days. They're both really keen mm. um, horse people, and now they're, well, Billy Slater's lived out his dream already, of course, of playing for Australia and retiring one of the greats of rugby league, but... Then he moves into thoroughbreds, his other passion for probably the rest of his life, with with a decent amount of luck, which he's already had because he had lot four hundred two a colt, one of the last reduced choices passed through the sale ring earlier this week and it fetched four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars and picked up mm-hmm. by a shrewd team, Hawks. So mm-hmm. Billy Slater. Uh, with his little boutique breeding operation. He's in for a lot of fun on tipping.
1: Good on him. And the big race tomorrow, um, the favourites, Gay Waterhouse and Chris Waller, they've got, they've got the two favourites in the race. Any, any other tips, mate? Yeah,
2: well, Gay Waterhouse's swift witness was really good last uh, start, but the Blinkers went on for the first time, and she won here at the Gold Coast last week by three lengths, but prior to that had run third on debut in the Magic Millions two-year-old race at Wyong, beaten 4.82 by... She's All Class, who hasn't raced since, but She's All Class finds itself as the 4.22nd favourite behind Swift Witness, despite hammering it by almost five lengths. She's All Class has been freshened. It's been back to the Rose Hill trials, where it had a lovely little tick over second. And drew barrier number 18, but if there are, the emergencies come out as expected, it will come into barrier 13, and it's a get-backer. I actually know one of the guys who's in it, a guy called Baden Fisher. It's his first horse. He's a ripping bloke. And this guy's been swept into horse racing in the best possible way. He's got one of the favorites for the Magic Millions. Um, He reckons through his connection to the stable and James McDonald, that Barrier 13's not too bad and that James McDonald's pretty happy with that. He would have been terrified if he'd drawn Barriers 1 through to 5. So... This is a get-backer. I reckon he's going to ride at midfield. It'll get three deep with cover, which is perfect around the Gold Coast if you're going to swoop. And I think she's all-class will once again be too good for Swift Witness. I think she's all-class with luck in running is close to a good thing in the Magic Millions. I'm pretty confident about she's all-class. And Chris Waller, of course, shooting for his first win in the Magic Millions, he hasn't won one of the big uh, two year old races as yet surely it's a matter of time he's been very patient with his horses over the years but now he's starting to get these precocious two-year-olds and you know we know one day he's going to win a magic millions we know one day he's going to win a golden slipper because he's too good a trainer not to and I think she's all class might be bringing him home his first ever magic millions tomorrow
0: Okay, now if people are sitting there, wherever they are, at home or at work, or, you know, having, or having a little Tosca and a listen to afternoon sport, um, what are your tips? So if they can get the pencil out, piece of paper, we always say bet with your head not over it, but uh, you're a shrewd man when it comes to it. What have you got something?
2: Okay, well, I've got Cheese All Class in the two-year-old classic. Now, the other big one is the three-year-old guineas worth $2 million, and it's the race to follow the two-year-old classic at 5 o'clock daylight saving time. I'm pretty keen on Forbidden Love in that for the Friedman camp. Jockey Jim Byrne, drawn beautifully in barrier four. Now, I won the Gosford Guineas last time out when... Off a freshen and right back in trip from the mile of the 1200 metres. It's even better suited by 1400 metres tomorrow. And if you hike back two starts, it was going around against the best older mares in the country and running food in the Group 1 Empire Rose close up the race won by Shout the Bar. It'll get a nice soft run from that barrier, and I'm pretty keen. There are others. I'm actually quite keen on the race though. I think Yao Dash is really hard to beat. A very handy now four-year-old has a win-over fun star on the resume. He's run fourth in a golden rose to Bivouac, and he bounced back to his brilliant best last week here at the Gold Coast on a seven-day backup. I reckon he'll be really hard to beat. Same with Ballistic Boy in an earlier race, race number three, seven-day backup, 2,400 metres for the first time. Ideal. And if you're looking for a little bit of value, $7.50 in the last of nine at the coast, a horse called Beauford Park. Now, this is a... Uh, a horse by a stallion called Warhead that set the owners back just $2,000, two grand. Mm. It's already won $232,000, and it lines up in a million-dollar race tomorrow. It'd be quite a story, but one, it's got a real affinity for the Gold Coast, and that's something that I always look for because Gold Coast track specialists, um, it's a big tick of the right box. Les Kelly trains it at the Gold Coast, so it's a local. It's had four goes here for two wins in a second, First up, third at Eagle Farm was good. Second up, last preparation, bolted Mm. in. Track and distance here at the Gold Coast. So it's $7.50 C appeals as well, um, I think. Magic Millions Day might be nice pickings for, for punters tomorrow. There's a few that stand out to my eye.
1: Mate, I've, I've read all those down, Marto. I, I, Timmy, I, I know you like a schnitzel, but Mato there was um out of the famous horse schnitzel, the, the yearling sold for, was it $1.9 million? So yep, yeah, it was that's indeed out Snitzel. of
2: Bonnie O'Reilly. She was a really good race mare. Yeah, it was bought by Chris Waller, and the Coolmore Irish operation, based here in Australia, of course, uh, in their stallion syndicate, yeah, one point nine million dollars. But we all know now, Shano, you get a, you get yourself a decent colt that wins a good race. Yeah, uh, you can magnify that by
0: about sixty. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And uh, but you don't know what's under the bonnet, do you, Marto? You just never know. You're either going to get an absolute cracker or something which might end up at Pony Club itself. <laughs> Marto, uh, great to have you. Great to hear from Ron Tap at the start. Now, I think a fitting way to finish the piece would be. Give us your call, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Give us your call of the final moments of tomorrow's two-year-old classic Magic Millions, but I want to ask you to do it in the voice of Wayne Wilson, God rest his soul, famous Queensland caller who called so many Magic Millions over his time or, or so many races in Queensland.
2: Yeah, the late, great Wayne Wilson. Into the straight, they've got 350 metres left to go. And it's Shaquiro leading for home. It's Shaquiro, three-quarters of a length in front of Finance Tycoon. Swift Witness peels off their back. She's had a lovely run, I and mean, then you'll be missing Ranch Hand. and she's all-class is getting to the extreme outside. has been gobbled up by Swift Witness. She goes to the front now, Swift Witness for Gay and Adrian. They've got two 20 metres left to go. Here's he, she's all-class, producer just the right time. She's charging him on the outside. The two favourites come away to fight out the millions. It's Swift Witness on the inside she's all class on the outside boy oh boy they're stride for stride she's all class you beauty she's yes. class has won the million, and <laughs> Chris Waterland's the big one she's yes. Swift Witness in a ripping edition of the
1: million. <sighs> winner winner
0: chicken dinner you beauty mate thanks mate happy parting tomorrow
2: yeah good luck to everyone
0: coming up on Afternoon Sport John Stephenson, he medalled at the Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games and of course the World Championships. He's got some great stuff for us today. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stump to Stump Great to have you come the afternoon sport. I'm talking fast. We've got to move quickly because our next guest has got to get a haircut today. He's got an appointment. He cannot move it. He's got that. That's his priority. John Stephenson, how are you, buddy?
3: Timmy Giewicz, saying, come on. How good is knowing that I get to speak to you guys and get ready for the week? I'm a little fly this weekend. Haircuts and accessory Tim. I said to you last episode, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you perform good.
1: Well, talking about performing good, Dan Ricciardo is now saying that the Grand Prix being in November, it's going to suit him to a T. What's that about?
3: Yeah, I love this guy, man. But as an ex-athlete, when, when you hear an athlete, if I was a competitor and heard this, I'd be like, dude, wh- what do you think the rest of us are doing? You know, like <laughs> come the season. Like this is the whole reason of why we have a preseason. Yes, it'll be a shortened preseason because of COVID. But I also read an article where McLaren has said flat out they've gone we're going to treat Dan Ricardo like he's been with our team for the last five years. So it's interesting to hear Daniel now come out and say, well, the Grand Prix, the Melbourne Grand Prix being later in the year actually suits me because it allows me to build up a bit of momentum um, in order to win the thing. I, if I was a competitor, like I said, I, I would love hearing that because it shows that he's not as confident as what he once used to be when he was a rebel. And, um, and it's funny to hear him say that after um, the article came out about him and McLaren, what McLaren released about him uh, actually uh, hitting the track running, excuse the pun, um, uh, come the first Grand Prix of the year. How does motorsport look uh, from the lens of
0: the early days of 2021? It was very different last year. At the, this time, it all seemed beautiful and rosy, and then it all started to fall apart. The Grand Prix got cancelled. COVID went crazy. And look, it's going to mess things up again. We know that because although there's uh, pretty much none of it here in Australia, it's everywhere
3: well tim there 's two sports I talk about quite a bit on this podcast, and that 's the UFC and formula one and they're the two, and there 's a reason why we talk <laughs> I talk quite a bit about them because they managed in the belly of this beast of coronavirus they managed to to still host events and host a championship and mm-hmm. host fights and I think out of all the sports. Formula One actually really ahead of the curve in preparing for this thing and working out. Okay, how do we still run an event? How do we still run an event? I hopefully I, I don't know what their what their bottom line is and whether they're actually making money of these events, but they're definitely putting on a competition at the moment. And it, it, I think Formula One especially will be will be just okay next year. I think if anything they'll, they'll they'll be used to creating their biospheres. Um, they'll be used to be working with the countries that worked with them last um last year through the pandemic. And I think it'll be subject. To whether whether countries go into serious serious lockdown like London is at the moment. Or like like Victoria was um, six months ago, I, I think that'll be the only thing that will, will depict whether the season will run smoothly or not. But like you are seeing, they preempted what was going on in Melbourne and, and and said, you know what, let's not waste our time. We'll just leave that, park that. We'll, we'll get on with our season. And then um, if everything goes well and you guys get your, your stuff together, then hit us up in November and uh, we'll try and bring our rolling circus out here. So I think Formula One um, have a really good model, you know, and I, and I think they'll be in a good position for this
1: season so the, the Melbourne Grand Prix has been postponed to no, to November but the good news is that the Australian Tennis Open is going ahead starting February 8th and bad boy Tomic has qualified what are your thoughts on him Johnny
3: listen I, I, I know there's a lot of people that aren't a fan of Bernard Tommy, but I really dig the guy you know like I don't condone all his behavior but he's a different cat he reminds me of like guys I went to school with there was always like rebel dudes that I went to school with but he just so he became a, <laughs> but he be, but he became a great tennis player and he was stuck in this, caught in this like sort of space of of do I be me? Do I do appease what I need because I'm a professional athlete? Which I which which I respect people's opinions. You're a professional athlete, you're getting paid a lot of money, and there's a way to behave. I get it, I completely understand it. But um, but but it's it's to see him qualify for the Australian Open. He had a rough last couple of years. I mean, the public really gave it to him. He said it in the article. He said, you know what? You guys really gave it to me. He goes, what do you guys think? You think that I'm not trying to be serious? You think I wouldn't? <laughs> this is the best This is the best statement. <laughs> do you think I wouldn't fly to Dubai and risk my life <laughs> to qualify <laughs> for the Open because the COVID's rife? I had travelled. So I love the dude, man. He always has a story. He is qualified. He beat, a, he beat a player by the name of John Patrick Smith in three sets. The day before, he almost lost a um, Match point where we wouldn't have seen him the straight open. So you know, I think their love for tennis, or or maybe it's the love for cash, um, mm. has got Bernard Tommy back uh, back up. And I think is a is we all know he's a great player. I think that's what the pub, Australian public's really frustrated with Bernard is that he you know he hasn't really shown his full potential and he hasn't
0: and- really shown his full potential. The guy <laughs> has been a dud for six years. You're kidding me. I just I look. I, I love the bloke. I love him. I love him in his snappy cars doing this. Come off it, come off it, John. I mean, the bloke has the the bloke has realised that it's he's not going to get as much money if he he gets a pick and has to work on the DMR. So he should keep his Oliver racket and keep playing tennis. That's why he's done it, and he wants to play into his thirties because he doesn't want to work. You know what I
3: love? You know what I love, Tim. Is that this guy's still provoking emotion listen to yourself it's unbelievable <laughs> that's how good he is now you can't say no, this- you're provoking the emotion because you said you love him <laughs> no because i i see another stuff. I think, I think listen to you know me and shane can speak in this being ex-athletes and all you know like we understand <laughs> <laughs> you don't get your haircut. <laughs> no look i hear you look i hear you Tim. Look, look it is frustrating i've been mean, I've I've spent time with Bernard and he's just, he's just a lad. Like he's just, unfortunately, unfortunately for him, he can actually play very, very good tennis. And I agree with you, Tim, you know, he, he, if he really focused in like a Federer, like an Andy Murray and really, and like a Nadal and took this thing serious, who knows what he could have achieved, you know, but look, the main thing is, Burn Atomic fans are going to see him at the Australian Open. The Australian Open are, are putting massive regulations. I, I, I mean, they've really tried to create a biosphere themselves. I mean, they've, they, they're they testing these athletes every day, which they're not too happy about because if you go in the quarantine, which I have gone in quarantine before, you get tested twice through your 14-day t- period. They're testing those open athletes every day. They've created mm-hmm. a five-hour window to train um, where it's one way in, one way out, um, and it's obviously staying um, in an inner-city a hotel. But – you know, I saw Dan Andrews yesterday. He was our, the Victorian Premier, um, was really, really, really adamant that they were never going to lose the Australian Open. He was like, you know, mm. France, uh, New York, uh, you know, Melbourne, um, London. The, these are the three biggest cities, you know, and nobody would want to lose these historic, mm. and, you know. So I, I think it's, um, it's good. It's great. Um, how sanitised it's going to be. I'm a bit of a sceptic. I, lo- I love sport because sport brings more than just the, the winner and the loser. It, it comes with so much around it with fans and the
1: emotion and uh, the whole the whole event leading up. Well, my tip for Tommy, I reckon going to get knocked out um, round one. He's going to jump in his yellow, hot it up Toronto, do a big burnout, big burnout in centre court, break the bio <laughs> bubble and speed back to the Gold Coast, I reckon. <laughs> the end. So how they going to control Tommy,
3: like with his biosphere? You know what I mean, Lacey? Like, but not only that, though. What, what 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 do you get? What's the what's the first round
0: appearance? Hundred thousand dollars. If you lose, you get a hundred k. That's the best. That'll be, be enough not petrol more. for him, Toronto. <laughs> Look, I just had a phone call from uh, Doodoo's Hairdo. They just said you're going to be late for your appointment. I suppose the most pivotal thing, and we'll let you go, is like okay. when you were channeling Tito Jackson when you won the Commonwealth Games gold medal in Melbourne. You know, you really transform your hair now. Like, you're getting haircuts <laughs> daily or every second day. What's going on?
3: Listen to that. Was party John now? It's corporate John, you know. What I mean, I go short <laughs> back and sides, so I, I keep it super corporate up top, man, and funky downstairs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Okay.
0: laughs> love you, John. We'll see you soon. love you, mate. boys. Have a good weekend. See you That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes today to John Stephenson, Andrew Martin, Ronnie Tapp, and, of course, the late, great Wayne Wilson's voice as well. Marto, he's quite a talent. Thank you to our sponsors, Spartan Sports, uh, Shona. Spartansportshq.com. And, of course, a man of many, many colours, many, many talents, and many, many hidden secrets, our producer, Dan McHugh, did a great job. See you tomorrow. See you next week, actually.
1: See you next week, guys.